Hey everyone, I'm Russ Willett from PipesAndCigars.com and welcome to PNC's Talking Tobacco Live. Happy New Year to everyone. And excuse me, that's um that's from everyone at uh, at PNC. Uh, we hope you had a, a great time and are looking forward uh, to the new year with uh, a lot of anticipation. Um, uh, we're certainly hoping it's going to be a great year. And um, speaking of which, it also happens to be PNC's 25th anniversary. Uh, you'll see that uh, on um, our catalogs, on the web page. Um, it, we we've got a new logo for it, but yeah, uh, Scott Bendett created uh, PNC. Uh, he had a um, a tobacco shop uh, in a mall in Albany, New York. Uh, he was um, he was looking for something else, and. He was able to buy 15 boxes of cigars wholesale. And he set up a kiosk in that mall uh, at Christmas time selling cigars. Uh, and it was during the boom, so there were plenty of buyers. And he sold through what he had and bought more and kept doing that and ran the kiosk for a little while. Uh, and when he had accumulated enough, uh, he was able to rent a regular store in the mall. And then he uh, got himself a full humidor brought in a nice assortment of cigars, and then he brought in bulk and tinned pipe tobacco and pipes. And uh, after he had been there a while, I, um, uh, I sauntered in because it was in the same mall that I started um, in the business in. And... Uh, I would uh, I would stop by and we'd chat and he found out I was in the business and um, one day he he asked me if I remembered the recipe for a long gone blend at that point uh, called milk and honey and I happened to remember it because I made a bunch of it. And I told him what went in it, and he said, "Oh, that's great! I've got those tobaccos right here. I can I can make some now." So 
I did that. I got my stuff, went up to the register, and um, uh, he wouldn't let me pay for anything that day uh, because he told me that he was going to make plenty of money from the milk and honey. So I said, um, you know, okay. And for a few years, um, he would ask me every time I came in when I was going to go to work for him. And one day he asked me, and I was having a really bad day at work, and I said, do you have 10 minutes? And so it was uh, 2004. Um, at that point, um, Habana Premium, which was a cigar shop, had been in business for, uh, I, I think it was about five years. And then in 99, he started PNC out of the mall store. By the time I got there, um, they were five years into the PNC business. Uh, and at that point, they were averaging around 60 to 80 packages a day. And so I came on board and mostly worked in the retail store at that point. And then we tried out some, um, some new blends uh, that I made uh, with the Pipe Club. And the members of the Pipe Club uh, seemed to enjoy them, so we put them in the store. And again, they seemed to do well. And um, then we put them on the website. And that was the beginning of my real involvement with PNC. And in a matter of uh, three years, uh, PNC tripled uh, its overall growth when we moved here to uh, Bethlehem um, 10 years ago. And uh, the, the not only has the growth been amazing, but uh, the process of, of changing PNC from um, something that was a sideline uh, to being a thriving business. And um, so we celebrate 25 years this year. Um, and uh, I personally, uh, later on this year, will be celebrating my uh, 20th anniversary uh, with PNC. And then next year will be the 20th anniversary of Hearth and Home. So we've got a, a bunch of uh, little milestones here uh, to celebrate. And uh, it's great to be able to celebrate it uh, with you folks. So um, with that stuff out of the way, thank you, David. Um, we can uh, take a look at what's happening on PNC. And then uh, we'll launch into um, 
our topic for the day. Um, uh, let me make sure I have everything set up that I need. Okay, I think that's about it. Okay, yes, I do. All right, so let's share and start going over what's happening for the new year here on PNC. So here's what's happening. A new year, new pipe sale for our pipe of the week. Uh up to $112 off MSRP there are pipes from Savinelli, Peterson, Stanwell, Viking. The idea here is to start your year off uh, with a new pipe uh, that will just give you uh, that much more enjoyment uh, to get the new year going. So uh, you can see there are some beautiful pipes there starting at $31.49 each. Uh, it's a great opportunity to pick up a new pipe. And uh, we now have a build-your-own Viking kit. It's, and it works out to up to $65 uh, off. Uh, the price of the kit and the price of the pipe are pretty close of the same. You get a tin, you get a pouch, and uh, you also um, pick your pipe. And, and so it's like getting the pouch and the tin free. Um, so take a look at this because there's, we're not putting uh, anything but uh, good tobaccos in there. You can see White Knight's one of your options. Uh, and that one pipe of, oh, what happened? Oh, okay, all right. Uh, and continuing uh, from last week is Blitzen's blowout sale. There's over 55 items to choose from with prices as low as $1.50. Um, they're uh, year-end overstocks, uh, clearance. Some of them are, um, are items that... Um, that we we just got a little aggressive with, uh, you know, with our buying. So uh, the idea here is uh, move them out going into the new year so we can start with a clean slate. And uh, again, starting over, uh, starting at $1.50. Uh, Happy New Year, Charles, and lead you not into temptation, huh? Well... Uh, I've got to do my job. Okay, and we have buy more, save more on Peterson tins. You can save up to 
uh, and get tins as low as $8.99. So the more you buy, the more you save. Um, and there are so many classic blends in there. You know, the, the former Dunhill blends like uh, Early Morning Pipe and uh, My Mixture 965 and Nightcap and then others like uh, Deluxe Navy Rolls uh, and Flake. Uh, and you also have classics from Peterson like Three Ps, Irish Flake, uh, University Flake and uh sweet killarney i mean just so many uh great tobaccos to enjoy up to 20 percent off with a price as low as 8.99 a tin um and january's monthly deal uh we'll show it to you as uh this way uh, this week and then next week it will go back to that smaller uh, image. Uh, David seems to like uh, three Ps. Peterson's perfect plug. Um, January monthly deal is Captain Black. It's a great way to start a new year. $5 off cans, $2 off pouches, on Captain Black for the whole month of January. So you got a little time. Um, but if you're a Captain Black fan, you, now you can stock up uh, and have enough on hand to take you well through the year. And then this week's tobacco of the week is Orlick Golden Sliced. And... Um, the, these are, are beautiful uh, little flakes, and they use really high-quality Virginias uh, from around the world to make it. It's made by our sister company um, at STG's uh, Tobacco Factory in Assens, Denmark. And um, you can just see how nice those Virginias are when they're pressed. Uh, they go from a, uh, a, a yellow color uh, to that rich uh, chestnut color uh, after pressing, and the flavor develops. This blend in particular uh, is a favorite among a number of the uh, Danes uh, who make pipes. Uh, I noticed a number of them uh, smoking uh, golden sliced, and it, it does make sense. Uh, it's it's a very uh, elegant blend. Um, it does have a touch of perique in it, enough just to enliven the flavor of the Virginias, not enough that it screams perique at you. Um, there used to be an argument, um, because, uh, some people interpreted, uh, the notes on the tin in Danish, um, to believe there was no Perique, that it was Virginia and Burley, uh, but, uh, we have the inside scoop that there is definitely, uh, Perique in Orlick Golden Sliced. 
so if you're a fan, uh, you've got this week uh, to stock up on your fave. But it's a uh, it's a real solid uh, Virginia Perique blend and a great introduction to Virginia Periques. Um, if you haven't, um, if you haven't had the, uh, uh, the opportunity, um, to try it, give it a shot, um, but sip it slow. Like all Virginia blends, it can get a little hot if you smoke too fast. And there again, you see January's monthly deal. And then um, my cigar clippings for the week, uh, I'm, I'm going to uh, let you know about this one without the slide. Um, and that is, what should I do if I'm smoking a cigar? And, um, and it starts to burn wonky. It's, it's burning funny. Well, first thing is you have to identify what kind of burning problem you have. <clears throat> if it's just an uneven burn, you know, it just burns uh, quicker on one side of the cigar than it does for the other. There, there are a couple of things you can do about that. Um, the, another kind of um, bad burn is... Um, tunneling or it's canoeing sorry and canoeing is when instead of like burning on an angle at the foot of the cigar um the the burn runs up a spot uh into the cigar so you have this little uh this little indentation now uh in the cigar that's burning uh, and that really throws things off. And then you have tunneling. And this will often happen if you light with a torch lighter, you aim the flame directly at the foot of the cigar, you take a couple of puffs, and you just start smoking the cigar. And, and uh, tunneling <clears throat> is especially bad and you can identify um, by tunneling, <clears throat> by the cigar is burning, you're smoking, um, but you're not seeing any ash on the outside of the cigar and the foot, uh, the, the wrapper around the foot is puckering. Um, you got to correct this fast um, because if it goes too long, uh, it turns the cigar into a furnace. Uh, when all the filler is burning and the binder and the wrapper aren't, uh, you're not getting enough oxygen. It creates a situation uh, where the interior of the cigar gets ridiculously hot. Um, the only ways to correct that are give a couple of hard puffs to see if some of the wrapper starts to burn uh, because sometimes you can fire it up just enough that the heat will penetrate the wrapper and binder and start back on an even burn 
or um, touch it up with a lighter. And then um, you have the canoeing and the only answer for canoeing is again to take your lighter and to touch up around the foot of the cigar until you've covered the tunneled area completely. You're going to lose a fair amount of your cigar, but better than throwing it away completely. And uh, and then finally, uh, when it's just a crooked burn, uh, the easiest solution, and it works eh, probably about half the time, is to rotate the cigar so that the long burn side is on top. Now, this doesn't seem to make sense. Um, you would think heat rises. So you want to turn the unburned wrapper to the top so that the heat can get up there uh, to get that wrapper burning. But it's not the case. It has to do with airflow more than anything else. So if you turn the burned part of the cigar to the top, with the unburned part at the bottom, uh, in many cases, it will gradually correct itself or you can touch it up with a lighter. If you're going to use a lighter to touch up the foot of your cigar, I recommend using only a single torch lighter. Don't use double, triple, quad torches. Um, it spreads the heat out too much, and it's hard to be accurate. Uh, with a single torch flame, you can be pretty precise about what you're burning and how you're burning it. Um, it does a much better job of uh, evening your cigar. So uh, that's my, uh, my cigar clipping for this week. And um, we'll be doing more um, cigar stuff this year. And I'm going to let, um, let Kane do some of those when he and I are on together. Because uh, he's definitely a lot more experienced in cigars. Um, so it'll be nice to, uh, to use his knowledge uh, to be able to enhance yours and at the same time um, it gets you a little bit more familiar with Kane. So uh, I think uh, I think we will uh, we will have him doing that in the future. Um, and it seems like Buck, uh, Buck likes uh, my mixture 965. And Charles testifies that Orlick is the bomb. And um, it's, um, it's really nice having Charles here because he has a very unusual pipe. Um, I, I've, I've seen pictures of him with it, and it's very impressive. Um, first off, it's large and metal. The bowl is about this big. I mean, it can hold like four or five pounds of tobacco. Uh, and then you light it, 
you put it in your mouth, and then apparently it has a pump uh, to help the smoke. I mean, Charles, it's really one of the most impressive pipes I've ever seen. And it's made of brass. It's it's pretty amazing. So um, I'm, I'm glad you're with us, Charles, because uh, he says it's got seven gauges, too. Wow. That's an impressive piece of engineering. Um, the, on, the only problem is that... Uh, Occasionally, it makes a sound, um, and it's a very rich, deep sound. Uh, but when you when that happens, the tobacco goes flying all over the place, and there are sparks, and it's it's a bad scene. So uh, that's that's all you need to know about Charles Magic uh, Pipe, and. Um, just kidding, folks. If you don't know, uh, Charles Fun uh, is uh, is a musician uh, and uh, music educator, and uh, is known for trombone, uh, which is what I was kidding about, uh, and other instruments too. But uh, uh, we're always happy to have Charles around. Uh, we met. Uh, God, geez, it's got to be, I don't know, 13, 14 years ago for the first time at, um, at the Richmond show. And, uh, we've, uh, we've been buddies ever since. And I'm always, uh, I'm always glad that when he can uh, drop by, uh, he can do so now more because, uh, he's retired and um, after many years of, uh, of uh, helping kids bring music into their lives, and uh, I don't know if I can think of too many more things uh, as enriching as uh, helping uh, people uh, learn from your experience and, and help them with something that brings joy into their lives. So um, I'm, I'm particularly uh, happy to see Charles here. Anyway, so we're going to um, launch into uh, today's uh, cat category, our, our topic of conversation. And it's about Balkan blends. <clears throat> so... What does um, a Balkan blend mean? Well, for years, it, it really didn't have a definition. Then it had a very loose definition. And now the definition is a little bit more put together, I guess, and accepted. Um. It's not called Balkan uh, because uh, necessarily of the uh, Balkan states, which is a region where some Oriental tobaccos grow, um, but because of a blend from... Um, the House of Sobrani, 
uh, in England um, that used uh, a, a good number of Oriental tobaccos, uh, but especially uh, Yeniji, uh, which uh, is very distinctive. Um, there's a floral and nutty flavor like an almond. Uh, but in addition to that, um, it has a synergy with Latakia unlike other Oriental tobaccos. When Yeniji is introduced into a blend uh, that contains Latakia, uh, it enhances the aroma uh, and the flavor of the Latakia, uh, giving it a perfumey uh, incense-like aroma. And um, it, it was clearly different than the other Latakia-based blends on the market at the time. Uh, it was uh, a huge success, uh, especially in Europe, but also here in the U.S. And um, and and people truly uh, loved this tobacco. I certainly was one of them. Uh, my White Knight is a tribute uh, to Balkan Sobrani, as I remember it from the the mid to late seventies and early eighties. Um, and that became possible because I was able to get my hands on Yeniji. Um, but, uh, that bright aroma and that very clean flavor, uh, were really the hallmarks. If you, if you smoked, um, Latakia blend, um, that contained Ishmir, for example. Um, and you got done smoking. You had a, a little bit of swamp mouth when you were done. Um, because it does leave uh, a somewhat lingering afternote uh, on your palate. The finish on Balkan Sobrani was super clean. Uh, something about that synergy between the Orientals and the Latakia seemed to uh, minimize that, um, that muddy aftertaste that some blends could give you. Uh, instead with Balkan Sobrani, uh, you could have a um, sip of coffee or, or water uh, when you were done, and, and pretty much your palate uh, was back to normal. And um, those, to me, are the hallmarks of Balkan Sobrani. And over time, um, people, I think... Uh, saw the Balkan part of it and thought uh, thought about the origins of the tobacco and 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 all that um, and didn't uh, give a lot of consideration um, 
to the fact that uh, it was from the house of Sobrani, and that's where the name comes from. Um, it was so successful um, that they created a blend and added uh, some dark fired to it. Um, and it made it a little bit deeper and richer. My mix, uh, that was Balkan Sobrani number nine, uh, nine, uh, yeah, 759. Sorry, brain fart. Um, and that also became very popular. And then they had, uh, Virginian number 10, which was, uh, Virginia with um, cigar leaf in it. Um, and Sobrani um, went along well until they hit the 80s. And then at that point, the pipe market had fallen off enough that they sold their recipes um, and their contacts with the farmers to... Um, to uh, Gallagher's, and Gallagher's continued to make it, I want to say for maybe about five years, and then um, manufacturing moved to Denmark. Uh, there is a distinct difference uh, uh, to uh, to the Danish and uh, and I don't think it was ever sold here in the U.S. Um, it was um, made in pouches instead of tins. Anyway, Balkan Sobrani um, gave the category its name. And the reason that it gave the category its name is because of a distinctiveness to the quality of all of these types of blends. When you have a Latakia blend where Orientals are the secondary influence behind the Latakia, you have today what's referred to as a Balkan blend. Um, the, uh, when, when the Orientals become enough that the, um, uh, the amount or the strength of flavor of the types of Orientals used is enough that it sublimates the Virginias, that would be today's definition of a Balkan blend. Uh, I have made a number of Balkan blends. Uh, I mentioned White Knight, um, Larry's Blend uh, in the Signature Series uh, is a Balkan. Um, uh, and Black House, which was my tribute to an aged version of Sobrani um, 759, uh, and Magnum, which was 
my own blend from the late 70s and early 80s. Um, Bengal Slices, even though it has an aromatic note, is still a Balkan. Uh, and over, over the years, I've made a number of them. And um, I really love Oriental tobaccos and what they can do. Um, there are, there are Orientals that have, uh, on their own, not a very assertive flavor or aroma. And Yenidji is one of the best examples. Um, it certainly has a very pleasant flavor. Uh, as I mentioned before, there, there are bits of floral notes in there. I pick up a bit of an almond note. Um, and it's quite nice to smoke on its own. Uh, it's ridiculously expensive when you can get your hands on it. Um, so you don't want to get in the habit of smoking it on its own, but you certainly can. And then, um, you, when you smoke it, you notice the aroma is relatively mellow. Um, but then you add some Latakia to it and it, you don't need a lot of Yeniji to turn a blend into a Balkan because for some reason, when combined with Latakia, it really asserts itself. Uh, another tobacco along that lines um, would be Basma. Basma has uh, a, a definitely um, floral fragrant uh, note to it. And then you have Izmir and Katerini and uh, I mean there were so many oriental varietals which unfortunately you you can't get your hands on anymore. Um, but there are Orientals from Bulgaria that are, are uh, wonderful. Um, but the Macedonian Orientals, um, of which um, Yeniji is considered one, um, the Macedonian Ori Orientals, uh, the area between Greece and Turkey, um, those are the ones that um, I think we think of most when we think of Balkan blends. When you're talking about today what's referred to as an English blend, um, that is one where Virginia is... Um, the Virginia is the secondary note. Um, if there are Orientals in there, the Orientals are in the background. And that's not what English used to mean. English blends used to mean basically uh, tobaccos that were not adulterated in any great way by flavoring. Um, they, they had, um, regulations as to what 
flavorings could be used. You could use things like liquor, um, but you couldn't use uh, a lot of uh, back in the day. Uh, you couldn't use a lot of uh, heavy flavorings uh, unless they were approved flavorings. And so when we talk about English tobaccos, um, a Virginia Perique or a straight Virginia could be considered an English blend back then, but not today. Today, an English blend is one where Latakia is the dominant note and Virginias are the secondary flavor. Um, so you have Balkans in English, and today there is a, a, uh, a more accepted definition, um, but there is a distinct difference uh, between Balkans and English. Um, although in some blends you may not notice it as much. Certain Orientals blend in with the Latakia rather than reacting with it. Um, they're just there as a secondary note. Um, and uh, that's a very different type of Balkan. Um, Larry's blend is an example of that. Um, that's a Balkan that's made with uh, Smyrna. And it definitely has a, a different quality to it. It's almost as if you can taste the Orientals in Larry's blend um, separately from tasting the Latakia. Um, whereas with something like White Knight, um, it, it definitely has that uh, incense-like aroma and it really blends beautifully well together, uh, creating a harmonious uh, type of fragrance. Um, Larry's blend is a little more earthy, um, but they're still considered Balkans, but the way that they're perceived is different. Um, the um, Balkan blends that I've done, like White Knight and uh, Black House, um, <clears throat> have that distinct note and so the flavor of those blends is more unified. You're getting one particular flavor and you're not really identifying the individual tobaccos in the blend just because of the unique qualities uh, of those particular oriental tobaccos. Then uh, you have um the 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 ones like Ismir and Smyrna where um you distinctly know you're smoking a Latakia blend but you can taste the influence 
of the Orientals almost as a separate entity. So um, Balkans are not a real tight category, uh, but there is a rule, and that that is that the Orientals have to be the secondary influence. That doesn't necessarily mean that um, a Balkan, when it's put together, um, is mostly Latakia with some uh, Orientals and a bit of Virginia. Um, if I were to make a blend that was 30% Latakia, uh, 20% Orientals and 50% Virginia. If I made it with uh, Yeninji, that would be a Balkan because the Yeninji's influence on the Latakia transforms the flavor into something completely different. Uh, and you would easily identify it as a Balkan. But if you were to use Smyrna in its place, um, it might not be a Balkan because the influence of the flavor would tend to become a little bit more pushed to the background. So definitely... Um, uh, an interesting category uh, and and what uh, goes in them. Um, Charles says that uh, your Balkan Sobrani match is a great blend and very close to the original. Well, I appreciate that, Charles. Um, uh, Balkan Sobrani was probably the first Latakia blend that uh, I fell in love with. I enjoyed other Latakia blends. And I was mostly smoking uh, Latakia blends at the time. But when I tried Balkan Sobrani, it was just such a different experience uh, that I went back. I probably went through a, um, at the time, four ounce can. I probably went through that in about 10 days, uh, which for me is unusual um, because I, I tend to smoke smaller pipes. And um, it just blew me away. And so I learned everything I could about it. And so one day I, I thought, I really like Yeniji. So um, I ordered a pound of Yeniji from, of all places, New York City. And um, I added a little to Balkan Sobrani and um, found that I liked it, but it didn't, it didn't capture my attention the way that Balkan Sobrani did, but I did like it. And um, so after I smoked uh, a bowl of it, there wasn't a whole heck of a lot left of what I had mixed up. 
So I figured, ah, what the heck, I'm not going to waste it. So I grabbed a pinch of Perique just to see what it would do. And I tossed it in with what was left of what I had mixed up. And I smoked that. And again, I was blown away. Um, that little bit of Perique and that extra amount of Yanigi gave this tobacco a flavor that was very different. And so from that point on, uh, I always had a four-ounce can of uh, Yanigi, uh, a half an ounce of Yanigi added to it, and a quarter of an ounce of Perique. And I would mix it together and put it in a uh, an airtight container. And that was my go-to blend for a number of years. Um, so, yeah, a Balkan can still contain um, other tobaccos like Perique. Uh when I made that blend, I smoked it for um, probably about seven years. Uh, and then when Balkan Sobrani radically changed, uh, I, couldn't, uh, I couldn't do it anymore. It, it just, to me, it wasn't Balkan Sobrani. And uh, so I had to uh, find other things. And then getting Yaniji became extremely difficult. So um, it was late 2009 that I had a conversation with, um, with Mark Ryan. Uh, and at the time he was running DNR, um, Daughters and Ryan, uh, out of his place in um, in Granby, North Carolina, and uh, had uh, he and I had been collaborating on an idea, and he wanted me to come down to North Carolina and spend some time with him, and uh, and so I did. Uh, I went down, we worked on a number of things, and then he said, I've got something to show you. And um, we went over to a small area of uh, the building, and it had a couple of pallets on the floor, and there were bales uh, in burlap and plastic uh, on the on the pallets and they were labeled and he had Caterini, uh, he had Bulgarian Oriental, um, he had Yaniji. And I just was nuts over it. Um, 
and he and I got talking and we came to an agreement where he would allow me to make use of um, some of his oriental tobaccos, which I did. And that's where um, Magnum came from in, uh, in 2010. And that was followed by Black House in 2011. Um, and that won the uh, Chicago Bowl that year, um, or the Balkan Sarani Throwdown that year, uh, and um, hit the market shortly after um, the Chicago show. And then in 2012, I did my tribute to Balkan Sobrani White Knight and uh, introduced that. Uh, so I guess, you know, with that and Bengal slices, uh, I'm kind of known for Balkan blends. And I do love them because to me, there's greater variety in the Balkan area <clears throat> just because there were so many uh, Oriental varietals. <clears throat> you know, I go back to uh, the 70s when you could get uh, things like Bashi Bagley was a, another uh, exotic Oriental. Um, and there were so many different types available at the time. Uh, so what you could do in the Balkan realm at the time was nearly limitless. Uh, if I had to guess, I've heard of 30 or more different oriental varietals. Sometimes they're not true varietals. Um, for example, uh, in Bengal slices, um, they used what they called xanthi. Now, a lot of people thought xanthi was a separate varietal of oriental. Uh, it's not. Uh, xanthi refers to the top leaves of the Yeniji plant. So what they were referring to was not that they were using a new tobacco, but they were using a specific type of that tobacco. The upper leaves on a pipe tobacco plant, just like they are in any plant, the upper leaves are always the most flavorful uh, and generally higher in nicotine. Uh, in the case of these plants, it's just because um, the leaves on top get more sun. 
Um, with Virginia, it's different because of the way it's harvested um, the upper leaves of the tips of uh, the Virginia plant um have more nicotine and more flavor because not only do they get more uh, sunlight they get more nutrients because the lower leaves uh, are gradually removed from the plant uh, a row or two at a time um so basically when they talked about xanthi they were talking about yeniji tips you know, a, a pipe tobacco plant is tips on top. The center is referred to as leaf, and the lower leaves are referred to as cutter. And um, and so um, in Bengal slices, they only use the tips, which is understanding, which is why um, Bengal slices had e that even more of that almost effervescent uh, flavor um, that Balkan Sobrani also had. Um, quite uh, quite amazing the synergy uh, between um, these items and. <clears throat> There have been uh, lots of Balkan blends over the years. Um, interestingly enough, some of the, the most legendary blends uh, and brands um, may or may not be Balkans. Um, in the older Dunhill tobaccos, probably the closest you get to a Balkan is London mixture. Um, they were more what we would term English blends. The Orientals were used in a lighter hand uh, so that they didn't dominate um, the, the blends uh, so much. They, they were trying for balance, uh, which they did remarkably well because Nightcap, my mixture 965 and early morning pipe are still among our most popular uh, tin tobaccos. So when we're talking about Balkans, um, it's also possible uh, to be mistaken. Um, the Peterson Balkan is not a Balkan. Uh, it is definitely what we refer to as an English blend. Um, because if I remember correctly, the Peterson Balkan um, doesn't even have Orientals. So again, it, it's a matter of the terminology being very loose in the tobacco business. If you're a grower, a farmer, or you're involved in the industry uh, from the agriculture side, like um you know, being uh, with the USDA, etc. When you talk about tobacco, you talk in more technical terms. You talk about uh, numbers because um, the federal government uh, assigns a number to 
uh, different varietals of different plants, and that's how they're they're referred to. Um, there is a Havana seed um, cigar tobacco grown in Connecticut. Uh, mostly Connecticut is known for Connecticut shade and Connecticut broadleaf, but they brought um, Havana seeds up and grew them in Connecticut. And it had a distinctively different flavor than that same seed grown in Honduras or the Dominican Republic uh, or Nicaragua. And um, it was um, basically uh, at the time uh, hoarded by Drew Estate to make a version of Liga Pravada uh, called Liga Pravada T99, uh, or T52, I'm sorry, T52. T52 is the, the government label for that wrapper that they use. Um, and, and so they speak in, in a different language. In the manufacturing end, they use a completely different language. And then us, the end consumer, we refer to it in another manner. Uh, so that's why a lot of the terminology uh, can be rather con confusing. Um, I'm, uh, I'm really pumped up for this year. Uh, we had an excellent 2023 and uh, I imagine 2024 is only uh, going to be bigger. You know, we introduced uh, late in the year pipes like um, the Cascadia Backpacker, which is an easy to disassemble, lightweight, smaller pipe uh, that's perfect for carrying around. Um, uh, and come in a variety of colors. So they're, they're really, um, they're really neat. I, I really like the backpackers. Um, and then came the, um, the Norman Rockwell by Stanwell, uh, which is a six inch long, uh, slender, uh, billiard, straight billiard. Uh, similar to the uh, type of um, pipe that he smoked. I, I won't tell anybody, but he usually smoked a Sassini. But um, this uh, pipe was similar enough to the ones that uh, he was pictured with um, that we decided to work with Stanwell to release this pipe um, which is a tribute to, to um, Norman Rockwell. Um, comes in a mahogany smooth or a black blast. Um, finishes that were popular during Rockwell's time. Um, they come with black stems 
and also come with a nickel band. Again, another thing that was very popular back in Rockwell's heyday. And then uh, we finally just released the Roma Raposo Church Wardens. Church Wardens that sell for $49 and $59.99. Um, they're priced like the old Roma Church Wardens, but I have to tell you the quality is even better. Um, they use a metal collar on the shank. Um, giving them a more distinctive look, but also to help protect the wood uh, in the shank from cracking from putting the stem in. Uh, so there, uh, there are a lot of nice little uh, features in the Roma Raposo at a price that's just too inexpensive to ignore. Scott says he got his Raposo yesterday. It's beautiful. That's great. Thank you, Scott. It's nice when people chime in that they've tried the product. Um, and I'm, I'm glad uh, that you got a Raposo. I, I find um, church wardens to be wonderful. I, I rarely, believe it or not, uh, I rarely have time to sit with just a pipe. Um, most of the time when I'm smoking a pipe, I'm reading, uh, or I'm on the computer, or I'm on my phone, or I'm watching TV. Um, all activities that... Uh, are a bit a bit more clumsy uh, when you're smoking a church warden. So those times when I can just sit down and light up a pipe and think about what I, you know, whatever my mind wanders to, I, I don't get those opportunities as much as I'd like. Or I smoke church wardens a lot more often because uh, it's a very pleasant experience. Uh, they're they're cool, and they tend to smoke dry. I, I don't see a downside uh, to church wardens other than the unwieldy length. Uh, Scott hasn't had a chance to smoke it yet, but he's looking forward to it. Um, yeah, and and Scott, um, you know, just one little thing. Load it right to the top from the very beginning. Don't You don't have to go through this half a bowl break-in and everything. The only thing I tell you, for the first dozen or so bowls, just make sure that you smoke it slow. Um, and if it wants to go out, let it go out and relight it um, rather than puffing hard. Because until you get a little bit of carbon in there, you, you don't want the pipe to get hot. So if you pay attention to the heat for the first dozen bowls, you can load it the way you would a pipe you've had for years and smoke it. And uh, you won't have any problems. Um, the, the carbon builds up relatively quickly. And it only takes 10 to 12 bowls to get to the point where there's enough carbon in there that it is doing the job 
of uh, shielding the wood from the burning tobacco. Uh, not a problem with the tip, Scott. Um, you know, there's I've I've done shows on this before. Um, the facts that uh, are actually myths having to do with pipe smoking, and that's one of them. Is that you have to start out with a half a bowl, and then you add more the next time, and the third bowl's a little bit more until you get to a full bowl because you're building up uh, carbon in the heel when you only smoke a half a bowl and the heel needs protection too. No, it doesn't. The tobacco at the bottom is so wet that you can't smoke it. Um, and if you can't smoke it, then you can't burn it. If you can't burn it, you're not putting the heel of the chamber in danger. So um, that's one of the reasons it's a myth. Um, so first show of the new year, uh, I'm really glad we had the opportunity to do this. Um, we may get our first significant snow here in uh, more than two years. Uh, over the weekend, although it looks like uh, from what I see you know, midweek next week, uh, that will uh, probably not stick around very much in our area um, between Saturday and Sunday. They're predicting five to eight, which really isn't a snowstorm the way I remember them when I was a kid. Yes, when I was a kid, I was a bit shorter, but it wasn't that. We really did get uh, monster snowstorms when I was uh, when I was younger. Um, there were years we would have the snowplow come by, and the. Um, I was probably about a foot taller than the hedges uh, in front of my house. And the snow drifts that, that were created by the plows uh, stood at least two feet above the hedges. So, um, this, they were a foot taller than me. We actually, uh, when it got really cold and that snow hardened up, uh, we built tunnels in the uh, snow that had been plowed to the curb. Um, Buck says, love to learn about the Balkans. Thanks, hey. You know, to me, it's no fun having knowledge if you don't share it. And when when you have knowledge and you keep it to yourself, who does it benefit? Yeah, it benefits you, but benefits no one else. Um, David says he might just see a few flakes as it passes them. Bucks in southeast Minnesota, no snow yet. 
Uh, David said, lived through a few solid blizzards. Well, you and I probably remember a number of them, David, because you used to be from up my way. Um, you know, I, I certainly remember Excuse me. Um, uh, I certainly lived through some monstrous snowstorms. Um, ones where um, it got so bad that uh, in our neighborhood, which was when I was a teenager, it was a uh, suburban uh, neighborhood. So everybody had yards, everybody had driveways. And but not everybody had um, snowblowers. My father, my yeah, '67 was a big one. It was huge. Um, and I was ten years old in '67. I mean, uh, to me, that was a a wonderland. Um, but. It, it really, that was the monster. Um, and then we had the October snow one year that, that just caught everybody with their pants down. I mean, uh, just amazing. Uh, the last two years, um, probably the most snow we got at any given time was two inches and then it warmed up and started to rain, and it would be gone in a couple of days. Uh, so for all intents and purposes, the last couple of years, we haven't had any snow, and really next to no snow for three. Uh, so if we get it, we get it. Uh, no big deal. Um, you know, all I have to worry about is the walkways. I don't, I don't have a driveway. Um, it does mean we have to shovel out the cars, but, uh, as long as we keep an eye on things and get out there as soon as the, the plows pass, it's not so bad. Um, but, uh, we are going to get some. Uh, but then, like midweek, it's supposed to be in the mid 40s, and we're supposed to get some rain. So I, I will imagine it's not going to stick around too long. But uh, you know, we'll we'll uh, we'll work on things, uh, and uh, and uh, just keep going. Uh, you know, we never let the snow stop us before. We won't let it stop us now. Anyway, um, thanks again. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm glad that we had an opportunity uh, to spend uh, some time together uh, at the very early part of the new year. And we're going to have uh, a lot more uh, to talk about uh, as this year um, goes around. Um, and I'm working on more and more. A little bit nicer. So um, in the weeks and months ahead, uh, we hope uh, 
to enhance your experience. Uh, once again, Happy New Year to all of you from all of us at PipesAndCigars.com and I'm Russ Willett from PipesAndCigars.com Thanks for watching.